Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Niners bring pressure. It's picked up. Smith has time. Wentz Metcalf. BK Metcalf. Touchdown Seattle. Dropped right in the bucket. 50 yards in a tie game. Conversation. It was finished and physical. The defense has been physical as Goff has been shot. But this is intercepted by Tariq Woolen. And he's going to take it back inside for a Seahawk touchdown. Wow. Stafford for Beckham, open, touchdown! And a little gritty from Odell Beckham Jr. Boyd in motion to the slot. Burrow under pressure, they get him at the 20-yard line. Heat was on and Donald is right there. Up top of your screen. Stafford, Akers will try once more. Akers... Ball pops out, the ball loose at the goal line. The Cardinals have it. Akers coughs it up, and Arizona recovers. That's where it popped out, and Buda Baker slapping that Rydell helmet right on the football. Gallon took a perfect game into the sixth inning against the Braves, but a late bullpen blow-up cost him a win. The scoreless first, Nolan Gorman leads off the St. Louis second and launches one high in the air and deep toward the pool, and Nolan Gorman on a Sandra Day O'Connor High School gives the Cardinals the early lead. That's his 21st. He's got to be sharp with that football. On first down, off the play fake. Good protection, and it's intercepted by Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey with a pick down the sideline and out of bounds. DK Metcalf was the intended receiver, and Geno Smith threw it right to the All-Pro. Burrows hit all six on this drive. Burrow looks underneath. Chase to the end zone. Touchdown. Jamar Chase carried the load on that drive. Five receptions of the first touchdown of the night. Arenado hot as ever as we begin this series. 12 hits, 12 RBIs during a seven-game hit streak, and there it goes. Nolan Arenado gone. Making an eight-game hitting streak. And it's 5-2 St. Louis. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, July 28th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7, the 2023 Seahawks over or under 8.5 wins, the 2023 Rams over or under 7.5 wins. The Cardinals, did they have any choice but to pay Buda Baker some more money? Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, should they just bypass the trade deadline? Back to the NFL. Does a Jalen Ramsey injury alter your Dolphins take? And should Joe Burrow stay off the field until he signs a contract extension? The Dodgers, 
Do they challenge the Braves if they acquire Nolan Arenado? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, our NFL team previews continue with the Rams. Michael Duarte from NBC Los Angeles scheduled to join us. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include some bullet points uh, from uh, Jonathan Gannon's uh, meeting with the media prior to the uh, first Cardinals public practice on Thursday. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That will be topped from the, by the MLB scoreboard. Meanwhile, uh, in, uh, after we're doing the Sports Zone, it's the Extra Point. That's from uh, 10 to noon, hosted by Kalo, of course. And that will include the final uh, preview this week of our NFC West teams. Uh, the Seahawks will get to uh, in that uh, particular uh, set, you know, between 10 and noon. Greg Bell uh, from the News Tribune will join us and uh, the latest on the Seahawks. Lots of people high on them. I was uh, one of the few people I thought before last season they'd be pretty good. And I think they're going to be pretty good again. All right, we'll get to that then. On to the pipeline we go now. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. We start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, a 2023 Seahawks over or under eight and a half wins? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Currently, we're looking at 100% towards over eight and a half wins on KDUS1060.com. Okay. I'm not surprised. That number seems a little low to me, quite frankly. Meanwhile, the Seahawks with Geno Smith replacing the traded Russell Wilson surprised most last year. They finished 9-8 and eight in the regular season and made a playoff appearance. Today's Twitter poll question, the 2023 L.A. Rams. Over or under 7.5 wins. And, Corey, what's going on here? A little closer here, over 7.5 at 66.7% of the vote there, under 7.5 at 33.3% of the vote on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. The Rams went from Super Bowl champions after the uh, 2021 season, or actually in the 21, uh, 2021 season. They went from that to 5 and 12 in 2022. That is the worst winning percentage ever by a defending Super Bowl champion. In addition to the poll question, uh, also, if you'd like to predict the NFC West 1 through 4, because by the time we get done at noon today, we'll have previewed all four teams in the NFC West. Meanwhile, on the local front, Cardinals training camp is underway. The Cardinals agreed to pay Buda Baker $2.4 million in bonuses and incentives for the 2023 season. Uh, and that includes a $300,000 signing bonus raise for the 2024 season. Did the Cardinals have any choice but to pay some more money uh, to Booty Baker for 2023 and 2024? Well, the Diamondbacks at its highest point this season, they were 16 games above 500. Since they were 50 and 34 on July the 1st, they have then lost 14 of their last 19 games. They entered tonight with a 55 and 48 record. And that's not even currently an NF, uh, NL wildcard guy uh, you know, team, NL wildcard team. They're not even in that list anymore. They're outside the wildcard if the 
if the season ended today, which it doesn't, but if it did, they wouldn't be in the playoffs at all. Meanwhile, should the Diamondbacks, after their July slide, avoid getting involved at all before Tuesday's trade deadline? Spanning the globe, NFL training camps on Thursday. Headlines were injuries. Uh, Dolphins corner Jalen Ramsey is headed for meniscus surgery. They will reportedly sideline him for the start of the regular season. While the Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, calf strain, and Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson, an ankle, they went down in practice yesterday, but apparently they avoided serious injury. A couple of specific questions here. First up, how much does Jalen Ramsey missing at least the start of the season alter your opinion of the Dolphins? And uh, the Bengals, should uh, Joe Burrow stay off the field entirely, practice field, any practice, any the grass as they say, should he stay off the grass until he gets a contract extension? All right, Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers. It might happen. Uh, the Southern California native uh, product, or I don't know if he's a native. He, he played high school ball there. Uh, the Southern California product reportedly is willing to waive his no-trade clause to be dealt from St. Louis to Los Angeles. So if the Dodgers acquire Nolan Arenado, do they challenge the Braves at the top of the National League? Also, in addition to these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. Uh, we'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. All right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by the, uh, the continuation of our NFL team previews. With the Rams, Michael Duarte from NBC Los Angeles scheduled to join us. It's a whole different looking Rams team roster-wise. We'll try to sort it all out in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup. That'll be topped by some, uh, at least what I consider to be bullet points from Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. Uh, his uh, his Thursday, his actually his Wednesday press conference. No, I was right the first time. His Thursday press conference. What day is it? It is Friday. How could I not know it's Friday? The Thursday press conference. Uh, well, uh, you know, some things stood out to me, so we'll get to those. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA of 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. <laughs> Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Our uh, NFL season previews of all 32 teams continue. We're right now at the Rams, who went from Super Bowl champions 
in the 21, uh, 2021 season through 5 and 12 in 2022. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports center of Michael Duarte of NBC Los Angeles. Good to have you on again. And let's start with uh, the, the 2022 record. Uh, obviously, it was the worst winning percentage ever for a team that won the Super Bowl the previous year. Uh, for a second consecutive offseason, there was speculation that Sean Payton might be uh, long, you know, longing for a television career, but uh, he's back. Are you surprised he's back for year seven as the Rams head coach? Yeah, Sean McVay, I think you mean, Bob, and thanks for having me on. I think you, you said I'm Sean sorry, Payton, well, but... Yeah, my no, bad. No, no, I got Sean Payton, the, Sean Payton on the brain after he you know, basically trashed the entire league yesterday. <laughs> so. he's, he's in the headlines more than Sean McVay. You know, I'm not surprised. Uh, I know Sean McVay well, obviously, youngest Super Bowl-winning head coach in NFL history, and what he brings in addition to that kind of offensive acumen, and, you know, they call him a little bit of a wonderkin on that side of the ball, uh, is that youthful energy and spirit and the rah-rah energy guy. You know, obviously people kind of mimic his voice and, and how loud he can be and he can get in his hair and things like that. But the reason I bring that up is because last year during that 5-12 and 12 season, the worst season, as you mentioned, by any Super Bowl champion the following year uh, in NFL history as well, he just didn't appear to be having much fun, and I'm sure not many of the Rams were having much fun when you're losing like that after you know such highs of highs and reaching the pinnacle of success just a few months prior. So I'm not surprised he contemplated retiring. He did not seem like he was having fun. He's been saying for a long time uh, he got married in the offseason. He was saying he wanted to settle down and start a family. He is, by the way. His, his wife, Veronica, is pregnant, and he'll be – in the middle of the season, having a baby this year. So congratulations to him and his wife. But I think needing to step away, find that passion and love for the game again, understand that Matthew Stafford's coming back, Cooper Cup's going to be healthy and coming back, Aaron Donald's going to be healthy and coming back, and, and maybe they can try to give it one last shot here, I think was ultimately the reason why he decided to return uh, for this, this upcoming season. Okay, we'll get to those big three here momentarily. But uh, he's back, but they parted with several veteran players, including Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner, among others. They drafted a league most 14 players. They signed 26 more undrafted players. They lost 20 veterans to free agency. They had coaching staff changes. There's a lot going on here. We mentioned the stud veterans still on the roster. But is this just is this a legitimate rebuild at this time? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Bob. Now, they're not calling it a legitimate rebuild. Uh, to quote GM uh, Les Need, it is a remodel. So if you would remodel your kitchen or your master bedroom in your house, the Rams are going through a remodel, not a full-on rebuild, tear it down to the, to the studs. So it is interesting, though. You named it. You know, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, Leonard Floyd, Allen Robinson, Taylor Rapp, all these guys, a lot of them all pros all gone from the team, uh, coaching picks. And, and that's what happens when you have sustained success in the NFL. You know, other coaches in the league want to poach you, and a lot of this John McVay tree is growing very fast for such a young head coach in this league. And as you mentioned, outside of Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, and Cooper Cup, you probably, the average fan, could not name another player on this Rams huh. team. So that, that means there's a lot of open roster spots uh, for this upcoming training camp. And it's going to be interesting because there's a youthful movement going on with the Rams, and we're going to see guys step up and become those next veterans or all pros in the league. Uh, and they're going to have a chance to compete for a job and, and win the starting positions and play along guys like Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Matthew Stafford, as we mentioned. But furthermore, Bob, this is what happens with the F-them-picks attitude and mantra that Les Snead has. 
ultimately you you did it right it was successful you won the super bowl yeah. and ultimately that's all that matters you've now been immortalized with that super bowl win and of arguably of all the super bowls you could win for the rams that was the best one to win in front of your home fans at sofi stadium vanquishing tom brady and the defending champions and your biggest rivals in the niners along the way it makes it all worth it um i also by the way i recently saw an evaluation of which professional sports teams in the u.s have increased their value most per year the rams by winning that super bowl now have the largest increase by any nfl franchise as far as the valuation going up over 55 percent they are now mm. evaluating the rams at 6.5 billion especially after that broncos sale so you know, just to put that in perspective, Stan Kroenke purchased the team for $750 million just 13 years ago. So it paid off for them, but, but now they're paying the piper with this new youth movement. Okay, Stafford. Yeah, after the Super Bowl winning season, and he started last season with arm issues, and he missed the final eight games last season. He's 35 years old. Um, there Are there some limitations for him this training camp? So no limitations. The, uh, the the garter is off. The governor is off, as they say. But there is some things regarding Stafford that I think, you know, people in our industry and ilk should be looking at this this off season, this training camp, uh, and also throughout the season, and also fans should be looking at. You know, there were rumors out there that the Rams called around to try to trade Matthew Stafford in the off season. Through my sources, I was able to confirm that trade talks did occur. Whether that was initiated by the Rams or other teams calling in on them. Uh, we're not so sure about that, but obviously Matthew Stafford heard that. Um, there's also a little bit of a, of a misconception going on right now. Uh, Les Snead and, and Sean McVay recently said that they did not approach Matthew Stafford to restructure his contract this offseason, and Matthew Stafford uh, just yesterday on, on Wednesday and Thursday hinted that uh, that's not true, that they did approach him and his agent to restructure his contract. So it's a little bit of a he said, she said going on right now and some contradicting statements in the media, mm. so I wonder how that's going to go over. The biggest thing when it comes to Matthew Stafford uh, is is that $12 million signing bonus was due in March, so I can see them wanting to know, are we going to go full rebuild, or are we going to go the remodel like we said? It makes sense that they didn't ask him to restructure his contract for this upcoming 2023 season, because he's only making a base salary of about $1.5 million. Uh, most of that is in the signing bonus he first signed, and his cap hit is only $20 million. But next year, Bob, his base salary goes up to $31 million. His cap hit is $50 million. And in 2025, $50 million again. So I would not be surprised if they approach him after this season and see if he can restructure that deal if they want to tie their future of the franchise to Matthew Stafford long term. Uh, and if he's not willing to do that, I think they will try to trade uh, and move him in the offseason. So it will be interesting to see uh, with him healthy, if the offensive line can stay healthy, keep him upright, Cooper Cup can stay healthy. A uh, guy like Cam Akers, who, by the way, put on about 40 pounds of muscle in the offseason. He looks huge right now. If those guys mm. can all stay healthy, they don't have much depth behind them, but if those core can do it, they are a fringe playoff team, and you might then want to roll the dice and see what you can do uh, during the season as far as trades and acquisitions. But if any of them get hurt, the depth is so slim behind them, uh, you can see the wheels fall off and have a season similar to last year. Okay, so we're talking with Michael Duarte from NBC LA. Uh, I was going to ask him about Cup next. He suffered the season-ending ankle injury against the Cardinals on November the 13th. Well, what's his status, and do you think he'll have a similar workload to the uh, Triple Crown receiving season that he had in 2021? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, he was kind of on pace for that before he got hurt last year, even though they were 3-3 three and three and kind of 
their tires were spinning in the mud there to start the year. I actually spoke to Cooper Cup yesterday. He was available for the media for the first time. Um, you know, he, he compared that ankle surgery and coming back and the, and the butterfly surgery they did on that high ankle sprain essentially to him coming off his ACL tear during the 2018-19 season. Um, so he's still kind of in that rehab. He's not full strength yet. He's not moving full speed, but he was out there practicing. Uh, I heard defensive coordinator Raheem Morris just praise how good it is to have an all-pro triple crown winner like Cooper Cup out there just for these young defensive backs and safeties to kind of learn from and pick it up quickly because there's going to be a lot of spots to fill on that defense and in that secondary. And, you know, having to guard Cooper Cup in practice, as we recently saw with Jalen Ramsey, who got hurt in Miami, having to guard the Cheetah and Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, it can help you and build some stuff up. But uh, Cooper Cup's not full strength yet. It's going to take some time to get there. But what he was talking about was while he was rehabbing is him and Matthew Stafford using that connection that we already saw on the field during that first season together when they won the Super Bowl in 2022, trying to solidify it and see how they can improve and get better studying tape and finding ways. The fact that Allen Robinson is gone and a lot of these guys are gone and there's not much depth on the wide receiver position behind Cooper Cup. Uh, I know they brought in Demarcus Robinson, a veteran. Um, you know, Tutu Atwell has been this guy they drafted and hoping he could be a deep threat. Maybe he has a breakout year. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of guys behind Cooper Cup. So I think uh, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup will be, you know, having a lot of connections in passing yards and, and receptions this year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him in that race again. Okay, the offensive line, now you're not you aware of these numbers, but uh, for the for the masses here, uh, they had 14 different combinations, including five different players at right guard, four uh, different left tackles. So it's certainly not surprising that they allowed 59 sacks, which was actually third most in the league. Not the most, but third most in the league. How much better could this offensive line be in 2023? And And... Again, Bob, that is where it all starts and ends, and that is what happened last season as well. Uh, it's no coincidence that that year that they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. Uh, there was really no injuries at offensive line, same starting five the whole year. Uh, and then even in the Super Bowl year, very limited injuries uh, to that offensive line to, to, to attribute to that success that they had ultimately winning the championship. So it all starts and ends with the offensive line, keeping Matthew Stafford upright and healthy, creating holes for Cam Akers to open up the pass game for Sean McVay and Cooper Cup, as you mentioned. So it really hinges to me on Joe Nopum. This was the uh, heir to Andrew Whitworth's throne. Uh, he was very good in the playoffs during that Super Bowl run, but he has a history of being yeah. injured, and he needs to stay healthy this year. Uh, if they do, they have guys they've drafted that position. Logan Bruce is a guy who was supposed to start. He got hurt in the preseason last year. He needs to stay healthy. So, you know, Rob Havenstein, Coleman Shelton, some veterans are there. If they are healthy and keep Matthew Stafford upright, this is a fringe playoff team. If any of those guys go down and we see what happened last year, it's over. Okay, so on the flip side, the defensive side, Aaron Donald, he missed the last seven games with a high ankle sprain. He's back, but, you know, Leonard Floyd and then Greg Gaines, who had a career against the Cardinals, by the way, Greg Gaines, and Ashawn Robinson, those guys are all gone. Is there enough up front to prevent uh, Donald from being like quadruple teamed at this point? Yeah, not really, and that's the one thing. And it'll be interesting, like we said, to see how the season unravels because if they are you know, fighting for a playoff spot, fighting for that NFC West division, I can see them making some moves to get Aaron Donald help on that defensive line. Uh, Aaron Donald is double and triple teamed anyway. That is why they went out and got a guy like Von Miller to come in and, and allow uh, either them to have to defenses to have to pick and choose who they're going to double and who they're going to guard because 
You know, if you have two guys rushing the passer that are elite at rushing the passer, then you can't just double or triple team one. So that's going to put a lot of Ionis this year on a guy like Michael Heck, who kind of came out last year out of his shell and showed himself. Another guy, Ernest Jones, linebacker. Uh, he's gonna. He's a good pass rusher. He's gonna have to step up. There's a lot of guys on this defensive line that are gonna have to step up and show that they deserve respect from the opposing offensive line. Otherwise, like you mentioned, they're just gonna double, triple, and quadruple team Aaron Donald. He's not gonna be able to get to the quarterback. He's gonna be extremely frustrated all year long. And if he's not getting help on the other side or for some some of his teammates as far as rushing the passer, it's gonna be a long season for Aaron Donald. Okay, so Jalen Ramsey's in Miami. Bobby Wagner went back to Seattle. So how are they going to try to compensate in the second and third levels of the defense? Yeah, you know, if you look at this roster, a guy like Jordan Fuller is the only, and maybe Kobe Durant, you know, they, they joke the, the cousin of Kevin Durant is what the joke was. Um, you know, those guys are the only guys that you'll recognize from names from previous seasons. Those guys are going to have to step up. They got a, a season or two to learn from Jalen Ramsey, arguably the best in the business. Uh, Raheem Morris, though, is a great defensive coordinator. He's going to have those guys prepared. Um, I think those guys can step up and do an admirable job. Um, the question is, is can they stay healthy for the whole season? Because beyond that, you have undrafted free agents, uh, late-round draft picks, no veterans behind them. Uh, it is extremely weak and thin. It's about as brittle as a three-month-old bar of soap behind the starters who have a little, at least a little bit of starting experience. So, uh, it, again, this Rams team in 2023 is all going to come down to health because after that they're going to look like a, a preseason roster uh, if any of the starters go down. Well, speaking of that, I mean, the special teams, they have a new coach. They lost their entire specialty group. I'm guessing a lot of the special teamers are going to be all these rookies that they just brought in. 100%, and that's what these roster spots here in training camp and OTAs are all going to be about coming up. Uh, this is the opportunity for these undrafted free agents, these late-round draft picks, to make the team via special teams. And as you said, they had to cut places somewhere. So in the past, it has been the special teams uh, that was cut. They, you know, they, they, Greg Zerline was a guy who's now at the Cowboys who was cut from the Rams. He's a great kicker, but was just making too much money. Johnny Hecker, arguably one of the best punters yeah. in the league for, for a, a strain of years there, was making also too much money. These are the casualties of the FM picks and having to pay some of your, your superstars. So now you have a, a kicker in Tanner Brown, a rookie. Uh, who knows what he's going to be, a, a new rookie punter they drafted, Ethan Evans. Like, it's a lot of no-name guys, guys that you're not going to see on the marquee that are going to need to step up for this team. But to your point, yes, uh, these guys we talked about uh, are all going to be competing for those spots on the special team because that's where they essentially uh, changed this roster and did that remodel we talked about by cutting loose on a lot of those guys. Okay, last up, uh, the uh, consensus win total for the Rams, 7.5, so over or under 7.5 wins in 2023. Yeah, I heard 6.5 originally, so I would say over 6.5. Again, it's hard for me to, to put a number on it, Bob. I know, you know betting, sports betting is the way to go. To me, if they can stay healthy, they're going to way exceed that number of 7.5. They're going to blow that out of the water. If guys start to go down if Matthew Stafford goes down if offensive linemen go down uh, if Cooper Cup goes down they ain't even winning six games uh, then it would be the under so I'm going to say you know they can stay healthy and, and be around eight or nine wins and maybe compete for a wild card spot that'll be my, my gut but if you know any of those injuries happen like we just mentioned re take play back the tape and change it and and go with uh, the under on that. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Sounds like a team that's maybe better to just bet on a weekly basis than a season win total. Exactly. Exactly. 100% correct. All right, Michael. Good stuff. Good talking to you again. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great show. Thanks, Bob. You too. Thank you. Michael Duarte of NBC LA. Corey, back there at the station, I forgot to tell you this. I got a little schedule analysis, so you'll know when I'm done with the segment, but it's not yet. Uh, some schedule analysis. The Rams' first three games are at Seattle, home against San Francisco, and then at Cincinnati on a Monday night. That's a pretty brutal start. Then after they played at Indianapolis, the Rams play at Philadelphia. That's a pretty ridiculous first five games of the season, all that for a young and experienced team. Uh, meanwhile, weeks 9 through 12, the schedule is at Dallas, at Green Bay, with Jordan Love at quarterback, for better or for worse. Then they have a bye week, and then they play Seattle. So that's another tough stretch. Uh, three three road games over a five-week stretch, and those three road games also uh, a little later on are against uh, San Francisco, uh, you know, excuse me, against Baltimore, New York Giants, and San Francisco. They have a really difficult schedule construction going back to that uh, seven-and-a-half win thing uh, that we talked about towards the end of the discussion with Michael. Okay, Corey, I'm done now with the segment. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, and also today's local roundup. That will include uh, some observations from Jonathan Gannon's Thursday press conference before the Cardinals' first public training camp practice. Also, we'll get to a little on the Diamondbacks for the weekend, time pending. If you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. Feel free to interrupt if you'd like. 602-260-1060, general discussion for you out there. And uh, we'll get to as much local roundup in the next segment as possible. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. General discussion if you want to get in. Uh, feel free to interrupt if you'd like. Meanwhile, topping today's local roundup, the Cardinals, uh, Jonathan Gannon's press conference before uh, Thursday's first public practice of training camp. There's some things that caught my attention. Uh, Gannon, I've noticed actually since he was hired in February, seems to be a, a stickler for fan fundamentals. Shockingly, not all coaches are, seriously. I've you know, dealt with a lot of coaches over the years. On Thursday, for example, uh, he uh, mentioned the word technique multiple times. I have actually kind of quit counting after a few, like four or five of them. Uh, so he's into that. Uh, the the uh, first-time head coach also said that he'll rotate his way through positional meetings. He acknowledged that as a head coach, he, quote, needs more awareness of everything going on, end of quote, as opposed, of course, when he was a position coach and or a defensive coordinator. Meanwhile, Gannon also confirmed that Con uh, James Conner will be the primary running back, a, a bell cow type. That's my word, not his, but you, 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 the way that he talked about it, I immediately thought of bell cow. He also said that uh, veteran right tackle Kelvin Beecham uh, sets an excellent example with professionalism. Uh, Gannon also called um, and also said uh, that the uh, 
the rookie class, he's called their football character very high. That's not surprising. And I think it would only be news if he and uh, uh, you know, basically said that uh, the first rookie class of his uh, you know, hierarchy here is not high. But anyway, he did mention that. All right, on to the Diamondbacks we go. The slumping 55 and 48 Diamondbacks begin a three-game series tonight against the 52 and 50 Mariners. The scheduled pitching matchups are uh, tonight: Tommy Henry five and three with a 4.01 earned run average against Logan Gilbert, eight and five with 3.88 earned run average. Uh, Gilbert uh, is like a strike machine, almost. Uh, I think sometimes that he might be better if he actually threw more pitches out of the zone. Uh, once in a while and got hitters to chase a little more, but he throws a lot of strikes. Uh, meanwhile, Saturday, Brandon Fott, back uh, in the assigned scene of the crime from the last time he pitched here, 0-4 and with an 881 earned run average. Brian Wu uh, goes for the Mariners. He's a rookie. He's 1-3. and three. He actually had some very good starts. He's had a couple not good starts at all since then. A 491 earn run average at this point. Then on Sunday, it's Merrill Kelly, 9 and 4 with a 312 earn run average. Scheduled to face Luis Castillo, 6 and 7 with a 302 earn run average. Uh, I mentioned this uh, you know, in the, uh, yesterday's uh, uh, you know, sports zone in this segment. Um, you know, obviously, pay attention you know, this next few days to lineups, pitching changes, and so forth. There's going to be some trades, needless to say. There was even a couple yesterday, which I'll get to in the next segment. But as I mentioned on uh, on Thursday, the Diamondbacks and Mariners could be trade partners because the Diamondbacks have a surplus of outfielders, and I think they could use some pitching, while the Mariners need some outfield help, and they have a supposed surplus of pitching. They have starters and relievers, so we'll see if uh, they would seem to be – I would be very surprised if there wasn't at least uh, discussions. I'm probably have already had discussions between those two teams about swapping some of their players for strengths and weaknesses of their respective rosters. Meanwhile, around the NOS, the Dodgers and Giants, like the Diamondbacks, were idle on Thursday. Tonight, the Dodgers begin a three-game series against the Reds. The Giants begin a three-game series uh, in the Bay Area against the Red Sox. So, you know, the standings as far as the divisions, uh, the AL West, uh, the Dodgers are four up on the Giants. They're five up on the Diamondbacks as far as the loss column goes. As far as the wild card goes, the Diamondbacks are currently out of the wild card situation. The last three teams in the wild card right now are the uh, San Francisco Giants with 47 losses, the Cincinnati Reds with 48 losses, and the Philadelphia Phillies also have just 47 losses, but they've had a bunch of rainouts. They've got to make up some games at some point. They only have 55 wins on the season, uh, so they've got, like I mentioned, they've got to make up some games. The Diamondbacks are one game behind the Phillies right now for the last wild card spot. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's spectacular radio show with the National Roundup, including uh, from a little bit from the scoreboard. And uh, I know the, the mainstream media has lost their mind again over you know, Shohei Otani had an incredible performance, certainly statistically he did yesterday. But what are the Angels doing? Now, the stupidity of the Angels continues. 
uh, which has been kind of a theme here for many years, and especially during this three-hour block the last three days, and it's going to continue in the next segment. Uh, also, the Cubs are back to 500. Might this alter their trade deadline uh, stance? I'll tell you what I think it should or whether it shouldn't. That'll be uh, among other things, so stay tuned for the National Roundup. It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. And from the MLB scoreboard, the Angels' stupidity of several years, it continued on Thursday. Shohei Otani, obviously the most important player on the roster. He was allowed to pitch his first ever complete game in uh, Major League Baseball. He threw 111 pitches even though the Angels are leading 5 nothing after six innings against the uh, Tigers offense, which is 28th in baseball in runs scored. It's like they were going to – they don't rally from five down against anybody, basically. You know, then, 45 minutes later or so, Otani back on the field in the second game, second game of the doubleheader yesterday in Detroit. He homered twice, uh, but then he left the game with a side issue because of what the team called cramping. Hopefully that's all it is. He was grabbing his side as he was running, you know, jogging around the bases after the second home run. Thursday just tells me that the Angels realize that Otani is not there long term for them, and they're going to basically run him into the ground to try to reach the playoffs for the first time in his major league career. Uh, reminds me of a running back, you know, Zeke Elliott. They knew the Cowboys knew that they, they likely weren't going to re-sign him at the end of last year. They didn't care uh, if they just ran him into the ground, which they kind of did. Anyway, the Angels, they've won eight out of nine games now. Those games against the Yankees, Pirates, and Tigers, not exactly murderers row. However, the schedule gets much more difficult. Here are the next eight series for the Angels. Starting tonight at Toronto, at Atlanta. Then they go home, go back home and face Seattle. They play the Giants at home. They go to Houston. They go to Texas, home against the Rays, and then home against the Reds. That would be the next eight series for the Angels, and they at some point thought, hey, it would be a really good idea if we just didn't trade Otani and we tried to buy because they just won some games against really bad teams. That's more Angels stupidity. Meanwhile, the Cubs made it back to 500. Jan Gomes drove in three runs. The Cubs... Uh, got back to 500 with their sixth consecutive victory. They beat the Cardinals, who uh, the Cardinals can't beat anybody unless they face the Diamondbacks of late. Uh, the uh, Cubs beat the Cardinals 10-3. to uh, Cody Bellinger, again, uh, had a big night. He had three hits uh, for the Cubs. Uh, Justin Steele is now 11-3 on the season. He's actually 4-1 in his six career starts against St. Louis. Uh, up next... Uh, in this series, the Cardinals go with Jordan Montgomery, likely making his final start for the Cardinals before they trade him uh, prior to the Tuesday deadline. Montgomery 6-8 with a 3.37 run average. That's a really uneven 3 and uh, 3.37. Uh, another guy that's wildly inconsistent between some not really good starts at all and then some dominating starts. The Cubs, at least as of the uh, last couple of hours, had yet to announce a starter for today. Even back at 500, the Cubs, I think, would be foolish. 
if they didn't at least trade Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger before the Tuesday trade deadline, according to Sport ta- uh, Sport Track, uh, Stroman and Bellinger can both become free agents after this upcoming season. Meanwhile, rip from the headlines and from the wire. Let's uh, start with uh, baseball. There were a couple trades yesterday. Brewers, I mentioned on Thursday, sports um, uh, would have to add some offense. Uh, and within minutes, they uh, like you know, 10 minutes after that, uh, after we got at least they got done with the uh, extra point yesterday, uh, they acquired first baseman Carlos Santana from the Pirates. Uh, in addition to being highly respected throughout baseball, Santana should help the uh, Brewers awful numbers against uh, against right-handed pitchers so far this season. Uh, they've been really, really bad as left-handed. Their left-handed hitting is atrocious amongst the worst in baseball. Also, David Robertson, who has certainly been a nice addition for the Diamondbacks, he's off the market. Uh, he was traded last night by the Mets to the Marlins for a pair of prospects. This was interesting. He was actually warming up in the Mets bullpen last night, and then they had a rain delay. They came back from the rain delay approximately two hours later, and Robertson was not coming in the game, and people, I think, at that point realized he's been traded. And he was. After the game, they traded him to Miami. Uh, that seems to signify that the Mets are now selling, if there was any uh, uh, questions about that before. So we'll see who else goes from the Mets before the uh, trade deadline. And I'll get to that in just a second, too. Some other heard through the grapevine things. In addition to the Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers talk that I mentioned during the uh, pipeline topic today, the Rangers now the front runners to acquire current Mets starting pitcher Justin Verlander, according to multiple reports. The Padres, according to John Heyman, are listing offers for Juan Soto, Blake Snell, and uh, also uh, uh, Josh uh, Juan Soto, Blake Snell, and Josh Hader. Um, they should definitely sell Snell and Hater because they're both free agents at the end of the season. The Yankees uh, leaning towards uh, buying, reportedly. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk about them being interested in the Rockies' Randall Gritchick. The Rockies got a couple of players that could help some contenders, so they might be kind of a sneaky team to pay attention to before the deadline. The Tigers' Eduardo Rodriguez has drawn attention from the Diamondbacks. The Phillies, Rangers, Rays, and Reds, all those teams have scouted Rodriguez in recent starts. Meanwhile, around the NFL, still free agent running back Dalvin Cook, in case you missed it on Thursday, scheduled to visit the Jets this weekend. He's already in New York City. He was actually a guest this morning on Good Morning Football, but uh, we were doing other stuff this morning, so I wasn't able to listen to it, but I know he was on there. Meanwhile, in college football, uh, with Colorado leaving the Big 12 from the uh, for the Pac-12 for the Big 12 after this season, uh, national speculation on Thursday that ASU and the U of A could follow Colorado. That's something we suggested the uh, Arizona schools do uh, during the Thursday sports zone. I haven't changed my mind 24 hours later. Colorado is still in the pack for now. Uh, excuse me, Oregon is still in the pack for now. Sorry. Uh, Oregon, that school way up there in the Pacific Northwest. On Thursday, Oregon announced that Dan Lanning, the head football coach, has received a contract extension through 2008. Meanwhile, former Wisconsin defensive coordinator and head coach Jim Leonard has joined the Illinois staff as an analyst. From the NBA, USA Basketball Managing Director Grant Hill, 
has spoken with Joel Embiid about potential, uh, potentially participating. Uh, a lot of syllables there, a lot of Ps. Uh, in the uh, 2024 Olympic Games, personally, I can't imagine the Sixers are terribly enthused, enthused about this after considering Embiid's injury history. And then in college basketball, Kansas and North Carolina have uh, scheduled regular season games for 2024 and 2025. All right, lots of interesting baseball series this weekend, including New York at Baltimore. Last uh, series between these teams this year. Tonight's scheduled pitching matchup is Garrett Cole against Grayson Rodriguez. And uh, the Yankees and Cole, a 120 favorite in that game, a consensus Nevada lineup tonight. Also... Uh, mentioned uh, the Angels go to Toronto tonight. It's Giolito making his Angels debut against uh, Kevin Gosman, uh, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and Gosman a 185 favorite. And as far as the Diamondbacks uh, tonight, uh, hosting of the Seattle Mariners, as I mentioned in the last segment, it's Gilbert against Henry, and uh, the uh, Seattle Mariners and Gilbert a 127 favorite. Diamondbacks have not gotten much respect from the betters or the odds makers all year. Now that they're losing games on a regular basis, they're getting like the old no respect Dodd Rodney Dangerfield level at this point. All right, stay tuned. Next two hours will be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include a Seahawks preview with Greg Bell, Tacoma News Tribune, and also more phone call time at 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening.